We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies EdTech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Transformative Principle, Episode 69, with Brad Gustafson. I'd like to make a couple of announcements real quick before we start the podcast. Number one, thank you so much to those of you who rated and have listened to and subscribed to this podcast. It means a ton to me, and thank you especially to those who have reached out. Every time you do that, my heart flutters a little bit, so thank you so much. Um, If you haven't yet, please go ahead and leave a uh, rating in iTunes. That's how people find out about this. In fact, just this week, I learned that this podcast was rated in the What's Hot by iTunes in... uh, k-12 education podcasting which is pretty cool thanks to uh at ap jason bodnar for letting me know about that also i was able to be on a couple of podcasts in the last week or so one was the workflowed podcast with uh damon hargraves who's my assistant principal that show is a show that talks about how to get things done in education it's a pretty cool podcast and i hope you listen to that as well also as i was on the Earning Freedom podcast with my last guest, Michael Santos, who's the um, man who used to be in prison and is now out to change the world. Pretty awesome stuff talking about how to transform education and remove the school to prison pipeline. So I've got a link for both of those in the show notes. Also, I'd like to welcome our new sponsor to the uh, podcast, Simple School Sites. Go to jethrojones.com slash simple school sites and sign up to get notified of when they release their first new school website. It's a new school website platform built on WordPress that'll make it super easy for anyone to contribute and make it very beautiful as well. No more of these ugly Google sites. jethrojones.com slash simple school sites. I am honored and excited to have Brad Gustafson on the podcast today. 
He is amazing, and you are going to love learning from him. We're going to talk about some cool things he's doing in his school. We're going to talk about mobile makerspaces, Sphero Balls, his passport to Passion Night, how they do makerspaces at his school, and the three goals that he has. I think you're going to love it. I hope you learn as much as I did from him. Welcome to the Transformative Principal, Dr. G. Please uh, start out by telling us who you are and what makes you so awesome. <laughs> uh, Jethro, I think it, what makes me awesome is like knowing people like you and the, the kids and the teachers and families here. So that that's funny. Um, you might be the only one who thinks I'm awesome, but hey, I'll take <laughs> it. You know, score one for the good guys. The I'm Brad Gustafson. I'm an elementary principal at Greenwood Elementary in Wyzetta. That's in the frozen tundra of Minnesota. Ooh. And this is my fifth year here at Greenwood. Awesome. Um, I uh, I had the great pleasure of having a long layover in Minnesota. And so I rented a car and came out to your school. And you and I had never met in person before. But because of our connections on Twitter and on Voxer, um, I felt like I... I totally knew who you were, and it was really cool to meet you in person. That was, the privilege was all ours, and I have to tell you, one of the things I enjoyed most about our visit, aside from just talking education and learning from one another, was the reflection we did after the staff meeting that you had a chance to experience and observe and kind of participate in. It was so neat to hear your perspectives and sharing and get your ideas. I love that. So, can you, when, when are you coming back? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, uh, our district is doing the Minneapolis job fair. I'm not sure if I'm going to that, but at the very least, I'm going to make sure that my team, um, tries to go and talk to you. So, you know, we'll see what happens, but hopefully the next time I have a layover in Minnesota, uh, I will definitely swing by again. Cause that was so much fun. Oh, cool. Well, you're welcome anytime. And next time I recommend you stay over lunch. Our, our culinary team serves the best mini corn dogs. Oh my gosh, it is <laughs> that is the truth. <laughs> so I want to talk to you about some of the things that I saw when I was there. And one of the things was you had a Sphero lab that you had just gotten in and explain first what Spheros are and then talk about some of the things that you've been doing with those Spheros. All right, uh, maybe I'll take a step back even and just preface that by saying we have a mobile makerspace fleet of pretty cutting edge carts that store uh, opportunities for kids to create, design, innovate, uh, fail, you know, gasp, <laughs> fail. Yes. But th there is a, a lab of Spheros and we have, I'm just going to estimate maybe 31 Spheros, which if you haven't seen a Sphero, it's a robotic droid that's a little bit bigger than a pool ball, like a cue ball or an eight ball. Mm -hmm. And the, the potential for Sphero is pretty neat at the elementary level because you can go as basic as remote controlled driving all the way up to advanced coding. And as an intermediate step in, in the middle, there's a draw and drive feature, which gives, you know, I would say first graders, second graders, the chance to experience coding at a real um, easier entry point. So you just draw a path on your iPad, you hit play, and the Sphero droid will follow that path. The value in that is you don't always, it doesn't travel exactly where you want it to the first time. So you get to monitor and adjust just like a real engineer would. The um, 
Well, there's elements of scale and math involved with that. So depending on this, the speed of your Spiro when you're using drawn drive, you can adjust and recalibrate. Now, I forget what you saw when you were here, but what I will say is we have our, um, our teachers are really innovating with these things. And, you know, we provide the cutting edge tools and they, they knock our socks off. I mean, they deliver for kids in ways that you or I would never even come close. Well, at least I wouldn't come close <laughs> to imagining. <laughs> for, they have a mini golf course that, that, you know, kids are creating golf holes and then sharing with their peers and their peers are coding, you know, so you picture the, the Sphero is the golf ball. They're coding to get the Sphero where they want it to go. And that process has been really special to see. We had one step, one teacher, his kids designed several huge, and I'm talking floor size models of the human digestive system. So that using that huge butcher block paper and putting that together, and then the kids would uh, use Sphero as a food particle and program the Sphero along the path of you know, the esophagus to the small intestine. They would narrate and show the vocab words and, and how the, those parts work in the body. You know, and tell me, Jethro, tell me if you were a kid, would you rather learn from a worksheet or actually use a robotic droid to live or, you know, to put yourself in the, the spot of a food particle? I know what I'd rather do. So it's been pretty cool to see. Yeah, that is pretty awesome. And I think I would probably prefer learning from a droid that I could program to move myself. Um, how? So obviously that's exciting for the kids to do that. Um, the real question that we have to ask is, are the kids actually learning better with that tool than than with a worksheet, right? So so what right. evidence have you seen of, of kids demonstrating learning better? Absolutely. So, you know, one thing is, and maybe this is actually a good thing, but we don't have high stakes standardized testing in health yet. So we uh -huh. can't uh, be, you know, we, we don't know that yet. But what we do know is that when kids are authentically engaged, and this goes back to the work of Philip Sletsky, you know, the working on the workbook, yep. when they are authentically engaged, their chances of learning at a high level dramatically increase. And we are seeing authentic engagement, more so maybe than when kids are filling in, in a blank on a worksheet. And this work is grounded in real learning, real learning targets. So teacher um, you know, will articulate at the beginning of the lesson and kids will interact with the learning target. You know, I, and we typically use I can statements at our school or actually in our, in our district. You know, I can identify the parts of the, the human digestive system. I can create a life size or, or bigger model and navigate a, a robotic droid to travel the path of a food particle. I mean, I'm just making those up, but this is grounded in um, real learning and real curriculum, and it's incredibly fun. I mean, it makes me want to be a kid again, and I think that says a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, seeing seeing the kids at your school, um, in, in one class there was, they already had a Sphero, and you had just gotten the lab, and when I saw it, but some of the kids were talking about the Sphero who had had a chance to use it, and they were um, they were pretty excited about that, and just excited to talk about it, excited to talk about what they were learning from it, and that that kind of um, excitement about what they're learning, I think, is is really valuable as well. So, you know, they were able to express things a little bit better than, you know. Oh, I did this awesome worksheet about the digestive system. It was yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah. You know, we two nights ago, our specialist team, so that would be music, technology, art, Fayette, Spanish, media, they had a passport to passion evening where third and fourth graders 
brought their parents in, served as tour guides, and, and showed the work that they were engaged with during the day in specials. And Spheros were, were part of that work, but I heard and I had the chance to mingle and talk to many different families. I would say most families that I talked to when their kids were showing some of the coding that they were doing said, so this is why you wanted a Sphero for your birthday, or this <laughs> is why this past Christmas you wanted a Sphero, you know, whatever the holiday is. And parents were connecting the dots. It was a great partnership night, but it was so neat to see kids, you know, their voices amplify them leading the tour. But it reminded me, there's a saying, and I think I heard it first from Todd Nesloni. We want kids to be so inspired, motivated, and excited to come to school that if we charge admission, they would want to pay us. I mean, that's what that's the experience that we want to deliver. And I think when we introduce schools like this, as evidenced by qualitative data and student response and parent feedback, the kids are um, figuratively beating down the door. They want to be here. They want to bring the experiences that we're delivering here at school at home. And to me, that is a home run. I credit our, our teachers for embarking on this journey and just you know having the growth mindset and inspiring new levels of learning in our kids with uh, a curriculum and some standards that were already in existence i mean they just breathed new life into this in a nice relevant uh, i shouldn't say nice in a powerful relevant 21st century manner yeah absolutely i think that's very cool and i love the passport to passion night uh what i love about that is that you're giving your special teachers an opportunity to um to demonstrate and showcase the great things that they're doing and those are the areas that often get cut when when budget situations arise and you're proactively saying this is not only important but valuable and our kids love it and i think that's a really great proactive stance i couldn't agree Jethro, in some ways, it's our stake in the ground saying this stuff matters. You know, regardless of the emphasis that high stakes tests place on math and literacy and those those important things, we are saying, our specialists are saying, our teachers are saying that celebrating the creative genius in our kids, it matters to us and we're not going to give that up. And in fact, we're going to emphasize it more than we ever have before. There's a book or a quote that says, you know, if you judged, I think it's an animal, but if you judged all animals on their ability to climb a tree, a, a fish would look awfully silly and not very smart. But that doesn't mean a fish is stupid. And do we do we do the same thing to kids in our classrooms and, and in their desks? If we're only measuring them by uh, one or two traits, have we diminished some of the creative potential that they that they have or the talents they have? And I think um, it's safe to say that in schools across this country, we have the next Rosa Parks, we have the next uh, Mia Hamm, we have the next Mozart sitting in our desk right now. And how are we recognizing that? How are we owning it? How are we empowering that? And, you know, Sphero is just one little example of that. But this passport session was, you know, just blowing the roof off. We have got some amazing kids here. And aside from newspapers reporting the, the, the standardized assessment results like box scores and comparing schools mm-hmm. based on that, um, we also want to tell a different story. Yeah, absolutely. And, and telling a different story is so, so important. Um, so talk to me a little bit more about your mobile maker spaces. Um, what, what inspired you to do mobile rather than a stationary maker space? And, and what do those things look like? Yeah, great question. So this dates back to definitely a year ago, if not 
more, we had a team of teachers, a, a mobile makerspace team, and actually at that time it was a makerspace team, meet, excuse me, meet about once a month and just have deep conversations about pedagogy, what we want, what we aspire to do for our kids, the experience we want them to have. And over the course of time, where we landed was, we don't want a makerspace to be a destination in our school. We want this to be an ethos thing where creativity and innovation and failure are happening on a regular basis as a catalyst for, for lasting learning. That's why we went mobile. That's why we ordered these, you know, I call them cutting edge cars because they are pretty special. <laughs> but now any room in our school, any hallway can become a makerspace and that the ethos and the creativity permeate every nook and cranny and, and have the potential to do that. So in a nutshell, that's why we went mobile. And we've had some PD, the makerspace team participated, or I should say led some PD as an in-service at the very beginning of the year. So, you know, your typical principal workshop kickoff where you go over some things, uh, maybe review some new initiatives. We actually, I'm going to make up a new word here, but makerfied, don't, don't quote me on that, but <laughs> we, we had uh, our staff emerged in the process of how could we use makerspace, but at that time we, we used Legos to, to do real actual learning and connect and do some of the icebreaker stuff. Um, so that was our introduction to it. We coupled that with some research uh, at that time. And then we also had a follow-up, I would say about a month ago, Jethro, on we do breakout PD, which I forget on the day you were here, if it was a regular staff meeting or if it was a breakout session where- It was a regular. Just, oh, okay, it was regular. But um, once a month, we also have breakout sessions that are optional for staff and they can pick where they want to go. They're largely driven by teachers. You know, I want to learn about this. So we make it happen either on staff or, or uh, every once in a while having someone come in from outside. But one of the sessions recently was a makerspace session. So that sustained PD, as we know, and research will tell us, it's very important that you, you don't just do a one shot of makerspace, but you have to keep revisiting, supporting, monitoring, adjusting. So staff continue to um, to grow, evolve, and see you know new and innovative uses for the makerspace. So I think it's just the beginning. I was recently in a kindergarten observation and they, they, I forget the exact learning target, but there's something along the lines of, I can explain what a habitat is and build one or something better. Your teacher came up with something better than I just did off the cuff. But I tell you what, one of the things I hear often from other principals and teachers is, how do, you, how do we have time? Yeah, you know, how do we do this? How do we add? Well, what if makerspace and that whole, the, the pedagogy behind it was part of the student learning experience instead of an add-on? And these two teachers that I observed did that Beautifully. I mean, I told them you guys need to write a book on this because that was that was amazing. Kids were creating, building, using a mobile makerspace. Um, whereas maybe ten years ago, five years ago, maybe last year, it might have been something that was done differently. You know, with construction paper. Not that that's bad, or a worksheet. So they they knocked they knocked it out of the park, and that's one way. Again, just to circle back to your question, why we went mobile. Mm -hmm. And and going mobile is so that you can have those opportunities in the classroom um, and make it more accessible for teachers also, right? You got it. Because imagine, Jethro, if you wanted to use the, the a makerspace, but one of your colleagues or two of your colleagues were already in that room in the library or the media center, then you have to wait. Well, we have, I don't even know how many now, seven mobile makerspace carts ranging from 3D printer to circuit scribe, writable circuitry to connects to Legos. We have a bunch of knitting looms um, and some other stuff, 
it doesn't matter if one of your colleagues is using one of the carts because you have all those other choices uh, in theory. Now we're finding that Legos are very versatile and that's one that we probably want to expand a little bit. Um, so we'll look into that, but that, that's the exact reason why. Yeah, I think that's really amazing. Now, one other part of this is that, um, you know, not all teachers are going to jump on a, um, on a makerspace idea and not all teachers are going to totally change their practice. What, what percentage of your teachers would you say are actively engaged in this? And the mobile makerspaces are new this year, right? Yes. Okay. So what percentage of your teachers are jumping on it in this first year? And how does that sit with you? Are you on track with what you'd like? Are you more teachers than you thought would, or is it fewer than you'd really like? What, what's your perception on that? I'm loving the engagement. And here, here's what I will say. We have 100% of our teachers that are authentically engaged with our school goals. We have three overarching goals to keep coherence and keep it simple. Uh, high student achievement for each and every student. And this year we're focused on literacy and some learning in that area. Um, culture and relationships, and then meaningful technology integration. So that third goal, I mean, it's very simple. That's the recipe for how we do PD. Uh, and what we're focused on. And if, if a PD grant comes in and it's something different than that, we'll consider it, but we wanna make sure people um, really have a, a focus on the difference makers for us this year. 100% of, of our staff are involved with meaningful technology integration. It doesn't have to be makerspace. This isn't a top-down thing, it's very organic. There are other people who have put more efforts into you know, flipped instruction and genius hour and um, think things along those lines or exploring like drones. We have a teacher that just uh, got a, a grant approved for four quadcopters and we already have one in, in the school and they're gonna be doing some really powerful stuff with that. So for me personally, you know, the overarching goal is what is important. It doesn't have to be makerspace. However, many people are have engaged and, and really embrace that. Hmm. Now, what I think is cool is that you've got your three goals, high student achievement, cultural relationships, and meaningful technology integration, and 100% of your staff is um, committed to those goals. How, how did you set that up and get to that point? Yeah, well, over it was through a series of massive failures on my part, and it started <laughs> with, uh, you know, if I'm being honest, my first year as a principal, this was in a different district. We probably had five or seven SMART goals that were very wordy, lots of percentages. And if you would ask me, uh, even when I was serving that school, and definitely now, no clue what they were. You know, I know there were some related to English language learners, reading achievement. Fast forward to today, we had a, um, each year we have a data team that meets once in the summer and it's a district data retreat. Our school gets together, we look at data, we have conversations about building culture, uh, where we are, where we want to be. And then we focus on, and this is based on staff feedback too, coherence. We can't keep adding to teachers' plates and break their backs. We've got to make things clear. And this is what they're asking for. You know, if you're going to add something, well, what are you going to take away? Because we're really good at adding. We're not so good at taking away. So these three goals, I would say um, our staff can articulate and repeat. I certainly can rattle them off. And that's not where I was seven years ago when I started as a principal. So these, these overarching goals are alive and breathing. Our data team helped craft them. 
they got to where they are. We've kept um, some of them the same each year because it's not just a one-year deal. So meaningful technology integration, we've actually kept that same goal three years in a row because we want that coherence and we feel like uh, we're growing and we're ready for the next steps. Now, it could be that next summer we identify a different area. We want to emphasize something different, but that'll be a team decision that's that's guided by data, both qualitative and quantitative. Yeah, I, I love that approach and keeping it simple is incredibly valuable. And I also like how your your one goal of high student achievement is the only thing that we can measure with standardized test scores, right? So um, what I like about that is that um, you're not only focused on that, and I think there's real value in focusing on other things besides that. So I think that's really cool. Yep, 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 I agree. All three of those goals are cool. And if, you know, if a parent, we have parents that ask really good questions, and I think that's one reason our school is so great. And whether it's um, analyzing grant requests at, the, at a PTA meeting I was at yesterday, we had parents say, well, what, talk to, talk to me about the learning with the quadcopters. So we had a great conversation, but there's uh, constructive pushback, child-centric mm -hmm. pushback. So if someone were to say, how does that fit in? Why does that matter? I can go back to our school goals. We can talk about that. We can talk about the state standards. We can talk about how we firmly not only believe, but we're walking the talk when it comes to teaching the whole child. I mean, all of these things we're able to articulate, but there is a coherence. And that's, that's basically why we try to keep it simple. Thank you so much for downloading and listening to this podcast. Please subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher, and please feel free to give us a rating on Stitcher Radio or on iTunes so that we can help spread the word about how much we're learning in this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You can find me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. Do you want to simplify your school's technology? save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, FlexTime enables students to get extra helper intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your FlexTime work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE.